Exodus 20.14, you shall not commit adultery. This morning we're going to talk about adultery, we're going to talk about a marriage, and we're going to try to make some practical applications to help our lives. When you hear the word adultery, what do you think of? Do you think of our country's decay of its morals? No respect for the sanctity of marriage? People like Tyler Woods may pop in your mind. Do you think of the entertainment industry where there's adultery on the screen and off the screen by many people involved in that? Do you think of David and Bathsheba when you think of adultery? Or maybe you think of something a little closer to home where adultery has directly impacted your life in some way. For some reason, when I hear adultery, I think of an older man having a relationship with a younger woman, leaving his wife and going off and marrying that younger woman. And I think that because I've seen that many times in the church. I've also known Christian women that were unfaithful to their husbands also. You may be thinking, I would never commit adultery and never be unfaithful to my wife or to my husband. That's what I say. That's the way it should be. That's what God wants. That's what the Bible tells us God wants. However, the fact is that many Christians have been caught up in adultery. Elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, people that you thought were rocks in the congregation have been caught up in adultery. We know and hear about spouses of all ages committing adultery. This is not just a young person problem or a middle-aged problem or an older person problem. I hear stories of all ages. I bet every adult here today knows at least one Christian that has been caught up in adultery. I'm sad to say I've known many cases. I knew a married Christian woman, very faithful, Christian husband, three kids, taught Bible classes, Caught up in the very act of adultery at the school where she taught, where she was a school teacher. The warnings in the Bible about adultery are there for our benefit. We need to be on guard. Take heed lest you fall. I suspect every person as a Christian that committed adultery would have said sometime earlier in their life, I would never commit adultery to being faithful to my spouse. Purity and the marriage covenant have been cast aside by many in our country due to a complete disregard for God's word and outright selfishness. God places great importance on marriage and makes it clear in his holy word the only place for a sexual relationship is between the husband and the wife. It amazes me that people do not see that what God wants in the Bible and what God tells us in the Bible to do is not just what he wants, but that it's for our benefit also. I can't think of a subject more true than that when it comes to marriage. Of course, one of the problems we have in our country is now many people don't even acknowledge God as the creator, so they live as they please. We can think evolution, Humanism, for that kind of problem. Marriage is a holy and sacred relationship. Please turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 5, 
22-31. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, also the wives ought to be the husbands in everything. Husband, love your wives, Jesus Christ also loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present himself to church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, but just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. To this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave his wife, and two shall become one flesh. It's obvious that God places a high value on the marriage relationship. He compares the marriage relationship to Christ and the church. What greater comparison could be made to tell us something's important? Our marriage relationship matters a great deal to God. Turn over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 2 and 3. For the married woman is bound by their law to her husband while he's living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be caught in adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not adulterous, though she is joined to another man. I think we would know that verse there would also apply to the man in the same situation. Marriage is a lifetime commitment, a serious covenant that is not to be broken. In Hebrews 13.4, the Bible says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Fornicators and adulterers God will judge. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take them away, the members of Christ, and make them members of a harlot? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself of a harlot is one body with her? For he says the two will become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality, every other sin that a man commits outside the body, but the immoral, immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Our body is from God. We should treat it with love and respect, and then we should not have sins against the body. And adultery would be a grave sin against the body. The two shall become one flesh. That should only be with your spouse. Not just a joining of bodies, but we're told it's a joining of spirits also. First Corinthians seven, chapter first Corinthians seven, verses two and five. First Corinthians seven, verse two through five. But because of immoralities, let each man have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, likewise saw the wife to the husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise also the husband does not have authority of his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourself to prayer, to prayer and come together again with Saint tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I imagine people have affairs for all sorts of reasons. But depriving a spouse 
is not good for the marriage and may lead to temptation for the spouse to be unfaithful. A few years ago, this preacher told me this troubling story that was he told me happened uh, out west. There was a congregation, and there were two couples in that congregation, and they were all four Christians. Well, one of the men and one of the women, the ones not married to each other, decided that they were attracted to each other and they wanted to be together. But there was a problem. See, they were already married to someone else. So they got together and devised a scheme. And they made a pact with each other. We will not have relations with our spouse. Ever. Eventually, maybe, they'll be unfaithful commit adultery, we can get married as an innocent party. The innocent party. What can you say when you hear a story like that? These are Christians. We're familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba. Jonathan Gilbert gave a great recap of David and Bathsheba's story last Sunday when he gave his Lord's Supper talk. That chain of events started with David lusting after Bathsheba. The physical act of adultery starts with the mental aspect of adultery. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 27. Matthew 7 verse 27. I'm sorry, Matthew 5. Sorry about that. Matthew 5, verse 27. Matthew 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Of course, there's Jesus just quoting from the old law, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Well, look at the next verse where it describes mental adultery. Jesus says, But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so often with many issues in the New Covenant, Jesus kind of ups the ante, so to speak. Here it talks about a mental adultery. There's no exact similar verse in the Bible about women lusting after men. Of course, the same principle would apply. Women can lust, but generally that's, I think, a bigger problem for men. Because lust is something many men struggle with. As guys, we need to be careful how we think, how we control our thoughts, how we control our desires. We do not want to be the guilty of mental adultery, which is warned about here by Jesus. Women need to give attention to how they dress. I've heard woman, women say, well, men may lust after me regardless of how I dress. Of course, that's true to a certain extent. But women don't need to contribute to an area that men might struggle with by the way they dress. Women should ask themselves, is this outfit appropriate? Is this modest? And then some people say, well, what's modest? I would say use good judgment and Bible principles. We were told a funny story, and a sad story, by this woman, uh, this Christian woman that uh, we worshipped with at our prior congregation. She said she was at the post office one day, and there were lines of people there. And this older man looked at this younger woman, not her, another woman, and said, you need to dress more modestly. 
And the young woman that he said that to turned to this Christian woman, who she didn't know was a Christian, but said, what is modest man? And I believe there's a lot of people that doesn't know what modest means if you look around. We need to be careful of situations we put ourselves into avoid temptation. Have you noticed about when a movie star makes a movie sometimes who they have a relationship with? The person they're making the movie with. And as strange it may seem, there's a parallel there for us because many affairs and relationships start in the workplace. Spouses a lot of times away from their spouses at conferences, hotels, meetings, traveling, whatever, a lot of time away. I know relationships can start in the workplace because mine did. I met Dina where I worked and we started dating and we got married. Now I would like to stress neither one of us was married or had been married before. But romance happens in the workplace. I've known many instances of that. Married people, we need to guard against flirting with someone other than your spouse. I see that all the time. Listening to relationship problems of someone of the opposite sex, unless there's a third person present. Now, I'm not talking about when the wife or husband is talking about the relationship problems with their husband and wife. You're talking to someone else, a man talking to another woman or vice versa without a third person there present. I knew a preacher one time that violated that guideline, and the woman that came to talk to him about her marriage problems started making advances. It's, you know. How does adultery happen? I think it's very simple. Adultery happens when there's a bond or relationship that should not have been allowed to form or start in the first place. It may have started out innocent, but it led to much more. How serious is adultery to God? How much does God hate adultery? In the old law, over Deuteronomy, we're told that adultery was punishable by death, by stoning. God would not tolerate adultery among his people. Turn over to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses, starting verse 6. Jesus here is discussing divorce. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. In the house, in the in the, in the house, the disciples have been questioning him about this again. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. What God has joined together and let no man separate, somebody put a friend or whatever. Have you ever been to a wedding where you heard someone say that? Even people that are not Christians and in the world, so to speak, a lot of times have that language in their wedding ceremony. 
Verse 11 and 12 talks about if you get divorced and you marry someone else, that both parties are committing adultery. Turn to uh, Matthew 5.32. Matthew 5.32. Jesus talking. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except for the cause of unchastity makes her commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Adultery is the only scriptural reason for getting a divorce. That shows how serious adultery is to God. There's two simple but related points. Adultery is so evil that that's the only cause for a spiritual divorce. And marriage is so sacred that only adultery can break the covenant. The Bible teaches an innocent spouse is free to remarry if they desire. The Bible also teaches that a person is committing adultery if they married a divorced person that is not free to remarry or is not the innocent party. People would be in the world would be shocked if you told them that. That's not what people think about adultery. Here's a case where you're committing adultery because you're getting married. Of course, most people outside the world believe a sexual relationship outside of marriage is what adultery is. Although, in a sense of the way Jesus is teaching here, that's what it, what it is. Getting married is committing adultery. If you marry someone that's not free to get married. For those of you that are not married, that you might get married someday, you have to make sure that you're Marrying someone that is free to marry in God's eyes and not the eyes of the state. And you need to determine this very early before you fall in love and emotions take over. People try to make marriage, divorce, and remarriage issue complicated. I have heard so many arguments, discussions, and debates it makes my head spin. And I'm going to be frank. I think if some of us got here to get together and talk about this afternoon, some of us might even disagree on it. And I will grant I have heard some heartbreaking stories on this subject of remarriage, especially those that involve kids. But I really believe that the issue of remarriage is made complicated sometimes by people trying to look and figure out a way to get around God's teaching. Our country is littered with broken homes. I read that more kids live in a home without a mom and dad than do live with mom and dad. Many of these broken homes are due to adultery. One time I was working with a woman, I guess this would have been in the mid-90s, co-worker, female. And it was right when the President Clinton and Monica Lewinsky's story was breaking. No one really knew what was going on. It was kind of early in the stages of the news. And she said, like I heard many people say, what is the big deal if he had an affair with her? If you know me very well, you know I didn't stay quiet when she said that. <laughs> I said, would it be a big deal 
if your husband had an affair? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. And I probably shouldn't have, but I probably said something sarcastic, like, well, I just want to see how liberal your, you know, you were on the matter. But, um, as Christians, we got to speak out against adultery and divorce. The Bible does, and we need to. We need to stand up for the sanctity of marriage. It's a sacred institution from God, and we need to say that adultery and fornication are sinful. Because I promise you, if we're not, no one else is. Of course, our example, the way we live, is going to speak the loudest to people. I'll tell you another funny, sad story. Or sad story. I think I've been married 20 years next year. I have to go back and do the math. I think it's 20 years next year. So I guess it's 19 this year in October. Dana says her co-workers are shocked. Was it 65 years, Brother Whip? I know a lot of people have been married longer than me. To one person. I don't think it's that unusual. I know a lot of Christians that way. Were these people that she works with? You've been married just to Mark for 19 years. No divorces? No, no. Yeah. That is amazing. And I really believe they probably don't know anyone been married that long. These are women, you know, in their 20s and 30s. They probably don't. Maybe their parents weren't or friends or whoever. Adultery has consequences. Adultery has consequences. They may not be as severe as David and Bathsheba where you ended up with a dead man and a dead baby. But there will be consequences. Even if a couple stays together after spouse commits adultery, there's, and even if there's forgiveness, there's going to be lasting consequences. God forgives sin. God forgets sin. We're told that. Humans can forgive sin, but humans have trouble Forgetting sin. The marriage where one party's committed adultery will likely have the never the same level of trust again. Like a deep cut or a severe burn, there's going to be a scar on the marriage. Remember my first night last night I told you about that Christian woman that was a school teacher that was taught in the very adult fact of adultery at school? Her husband was a, um, was a Christian also. They had three kids. They decided to stay together. And they are still are together to this day. When that happened, whether or not there was true forgiveness between them or they just decided to stay together for the kids' sake or for a parent's sake, I don't know. I would like to think there was true forgiveness on both their parts there. But when I used to look up and sit, I would sit behind them in worship services with this congregation. And I would look up and see them sitting up there. I always thought, will that marriage ever be the same again? Adultery has eternal consequences. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Let's turn over there. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10.
Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the captives, nor drunkards, nor devourers, nor slumberers shall inherit the kingdom of God. It says people committing fornication and adultery will not go to heaven. But let's read what the next verse says. And such were some of you, but were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. God and Jesus can take away the sin of adultery. Turn over to John 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came to the temple, and all the people were coming to him and sat down and began to teach him. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught her adultery and having seen her in the midst, sent her in the midst. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Of course, this is, you know, many times there's people trying to trap Jesus. And they were saying this, testing him, in order that he might have grounds for choosing him. But Jesus stood down with his finger rubbed on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He is without sin, among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at heart. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when he heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning the older ones, and he was left alone in the moment where she was in the midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did they not condemn No, did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. Now and sin no more. People are saying, Oh, Jesus putting her off easy there. Did you read the sin no more part? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We like to say that a sin's a sin because we can kind of get that teaching in the Bible. But also sometimes our human nature saying, you know, maybe some sins are more important than the others. And in one case, that's not true. But I can't help believe that the Ten Commandments were things that were very, very important to God. They made the top ten. And adultery is on there. Adultery is a very serious and terrible sin, but we know that any sin separates us from God. We're told we've all sinned. We fell short of the glory of God. We know that sin will keep us out of heaven. Well, there's only one way to get rid of that sin. That's to be baptized and washed in the blood of the Lamb. We can take away all sins, adultery, fornication, or any other sins.